Hello and welcome to Comedy in a Nutshell with me, your host, Mark Decano. You know, I'm often asked, why would you want comedians to sum up comedy in a nutshell? Well, maybe it's because I'm fascinated by how different comedians' viewpoints on their experiences shape their philosophies. Maybe because I needed a simple USP. Or maybe because no one has ever asked me that question. I love talking to the people in comedy about comedy. And if you like to hear what they have to say as much as I do, then please like, subscribe, rate, review and share the podcast. Thank you. My guest this episode is an actor, writer and award-winning comedian with years of experience performing shows at the Edinburgh Fringe, as well as writing for and appearing on shows like The News Quiz and The Bugle. It's stand-up comedian Ian Smith. So tell me how you started with comedy. How did it get to you? Was it on like television? Was it family? How did that work? Um, yeah, it's hard, it's hard to remember because it was, it was so long ago when I, I did sketches with two of my friends in school. Yeah. So we'd have been like 13, 14, and we put on like a show at our little 80-seater local theatre. Um, we did like half an hour of sketches and a little half an hour play. Yeah. Um and I don't I don't I have no memory of why we did that. <laughs> but um we did that for like we did it one year and then maybe a couple of years later we did it again. And when it got to the point where I kind of realized, oh, friends like go to uni and we're not going to like be in a sketch group um forever. So that was when I started going, oh, but I really love this. I guess I've got to do it by myself. Mm. And started looking up more kind of comedy but i think at that point the only comedy i really knew was like peter k and phoenix nights right yeah so definitely stuff like that got me into it yeah. and watching um the dvd of phoenix nights and watching the outtakes mm. and watching people kind of laughing and sort of bullying each other um <laughs> but it just looked like such a fun a fun job that was always the dream to be um involved in like an outtake at some point <laughs> so what came first the becoming a comedian or becoming a, an actor um well i guess i i always really liked doing drama at, at school yeah um and i did i did think before i went to uni i thought i would maybe study drama um but i, I was i was too scared i thought it would involve mm. lots of dance and and singing and <laughs> I, I was so shy um I did a few drama workshops where they had you on the floor, like pretending to be a, a cat and all those kind of cliches of <laughs> drama school. A little acorn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just thought, yeah, I thought I can't, I don't think I could do that. Yeah. But um, yeah, so, so maybe that did come first. But um, yeah, I guess like it's always been comedy since since I started doing it. Yeah. Did you have an idea when you became a comedian of the sort of comedian that you were going to be? No, probably. I, I was so clueless when I started. Right. Like, um, I, like it took a lot of watching things and researching a bit mm. because, like, I, I remember um, being in like a new act competition and doing very much like gags, mm. and um, then seeing someone else come on and do really just conversational stuff. Yeah. And I, I was really, really young, and I remember thinking, like. How how are they getting... They're just talking yeah. and they're funny. Whereas I'm having to go, here's your setup, here's your punchline. Right. Um, so, yeah, I kind of slowly realized that um, that was the kind of stuff I liked. Mm. Quite natural, 
remember seeing Daniel Kitson at the Edinburgh Fringe and being kind of blown away by yeah. like how you can do silly, sweary, observational stand-up, but with like philosophy and emotional mm. depth. Yeah. Um, so it's always been the aim to try and do something like that. Yeah. So you're you're more of a these days are more of a storyteller, would you say? Well, or some some observation. Yeah, I, I I guess so. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I I think um certainly my last shows have tended to be more um like a, a loose story, mm. and I think I get my best stuff out of going into a situation that might be a bit unusual or uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and um relaying I, I find if something happens to me i find it quite easy to extrapolate and exaggerate and yeah and make that funny um i'm yeah not as much one for like i, th- I think this the the show i'm doing now is there's quite a few observations that seem to like land yeah which i i quite like but yeah never before really have i gone oh we all we all do this <laughs> um but yeah i think i have one observation where i at the minute, I am saying in the setup the words "we all," um, <laughs> which feels very like um, old school observational comedian. Yeah. So, if you're in those situations where you think you might have a story, do, are you in the moment thinking, "I can get a good 10, 15 minutes or an hour out of this situation that's just, that's happening around me now"? Yeah, I try try not to be. Um, so, like when me and my brother went to Chernobyl. Um, maybe like four years ago or something. Yeah, and I remember thinking when when my brother was mentioning wanting to go, I remember thinking, well, that would be a fun thing to do, and he really wants to do it. Mm. But I imagine I will get material out of that. Yeah, but I'm but trying to just be in the moment when you're when you're there. But then, yeah, afterwards it feels quite easy to get like your laptop out or a pad and just bullet point. Yeah. What were the unusual things, or what? Um, what could there be a joke in? Mm. And they don't all all work, but just basically making a note of um, yeah. everything that I could kind of try and exaggerate a bit. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go back to the the beginning then. Did you do a course? Did you start anything like that? No, 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 no. I just um, I wanted to. I did a gig at. What was the other side comedy club that Dan Atkinson used to run? Um, and I wanted to do a gig when I was like 16, but my mum and dad wouldn't let me. Um, and, you know, they're in control because they, they could, the only ones who could drive me there. <laughs> um, but they made me go and watch a gig at that venue right. before I did it, which I think was very wise so that they could like, I think they wanted me to know that how how rowdy it could get and how difficult it is and what the level is and stuff. Mm. So yeah, I, I watched one and then like a year later was booked in and did um yeah, very very rare for like a first gig now because mm. if you're in London you're you're on an open mic night yeah. with twenty five other comedians. But I was like as compare two comedians, me in the middle. The other two comedians are like full-time professional comics. Yeah. And I was doing like my first ever 10 minutes and it's a sold out room of 150 people. Um, so yeah, it was kind of in at the deep end and I wasn't, um, wasn't ready. I had five minutes of material yeah. 
and then did five minutes of improv. Right. Um, and the improv went better than the material <laughs> I remember, which um, I think I still do that now. I, I improvise a lot. I find that quite easy. But um, but yeah, I, I remember it being pretty pretty terrifying. Yeah. Um, so how did it how did it go? How, what was the response to the audience? Well, I re- I really have no idea other than <laughs> I I remember the story that I told went like okay, but I but I hadn't written it. I think out of and I, I still do this now where I I write everything like to the deadline. Right. But I think because it's scary, I I just put it out of my mind a little bit, and on the car journey there, I was thinking. What the fuck am I going to say? I haven't even thought about this. This is stupid. <laughs> um, yeah, but I do remember after five minutes, I looked at my watch and said, um, "Well, that that's all the material I've got. <laughs> so I guess I'll I've got to improvise now. What should we talk about?" And I think I I think March of the Penguins had just come out. Right. I'm, I don't I don't know if that dates um, when I did my gig, but um, so I think I started talking about that. Yeah. But no, no idea what I said. But I know it went. I know that bit went well. Right. And then I just looked at my watch and was like, "Okay, well, yeah, I've done ten minutes now." <laughs> um, I didn't have a closing joke. I just went, "Okay, okay. <laughs> that's my time." What did you get? Uh, like feedback, a response from from the other acts, from the from the MC. Yeah, they were they were really nice. Remember Dan and a comedian called Silky um, was there. Uh, yeah, I know Silky. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, they, they were really nice. Like, I imagine there was no specific feedback because, why? Well, it's like your first gig, and also they must have known he's he's just done five minutes of improv because he doesn't have any material, so <laughs> can't even give him feedback on his improv on March of the Penguins. Um, but yeah, they, they they were very nice, and certainly like the first three or four gigs I did, mm. I think the first three went really well. Yeah, and was feeling quite good. And maybe the fourth or fifth, I I died on my ass. Right. And this is like a long a long time ago. But Russell Kane and Gary Delaney were the other acts on the bill. Mm. Like again up north, like sandwiched in between two really good acts. Yeah. And um, they were they were both so nice. Yeah. About it, I can't remember which one of them said. They said like when you're booking in gigs, booking like three or four at a time because. This this is going to happen mm. to you when you're doing comedy. Yeah, and if you book in one more gig and then you die on your ass, the chance of you booking in another one right. is going to decrease. Or you, or you might. So they were just like, just book in three or four, keep doing it. Yeah, but yeah, that's probably going to happen every fourth gig you do until you improve and get better. And yeah, um, it's quite nice to have that sort of blunt, like genuine sort of. Rather than just going, no, it was great to go. Yeah, yeah, that that wasn't good, and it's not going to be good every now and then. Yeah, and um, it's quite good. Yeah, it's interesting because like uh, acting and comedy, these these are professions that are asking for rejection, mm-hmm. literally saying, "Okay, I I need your approval. I need your your okay." Oh yeah. I mean, you've had a few shows there which have gone well, mm. and then suddenly, suddenly it's a no from the audience. What kind of uh, gear change is that? Yeah, I mean, when you're starting out, it's, yeah, pretty massive because you're starting out full of, like, dreams of, like, oh, I'd love to do this and I could yeah. play in this place and these theatres or this or that. So when it doesn't yeah. go well, you kind of, I think I will think, oh, I'm 
I'm a fucking idiot. Why, why did I think I could do this? <laughs> but, um, but now I think I only get that with previewing a, an Edinburgh show because pre- previews can be oh, so right. weird and you can do previews to 10 people and they, they don't really know that it's a work in progress. So they're mm-hmm. disappointed that you've got notes and you haven't learned stuff. And so the gig can go kind of disproportionately weirdly um, and then Edinburgh can end up being great. But you have mm-hmm. to go through three months of having a good preview, having a bad preview, um, and having to kind of say to yourself, well, that preview was bad because it was four people in a basement um, mm. and um, three of them haven't heard of the Edinburgh Fringe before and they don't know what, what's going on here. Yeah. Um, but, but those ones bother me because, you know, you, you want to do a good Edinburgh show mm. and so you get a bit of self-doubt. But, um, but if, if I was to do a, a comedy club now and have a tough one, mm. I... I don't think it bothers me at all. <laughs> I, I think it's happened enough times in the past that you kind of hope that you that you even know it's not fully your fault. Maybe it's the audience is a bit weird, or it's a weird gig, mm. or you you kind of know where you went wrong. But um, right. yeah, I think I could sit pretty comfortably in twenty minutes of dying on my ass now. <laughs> So, um, having established yourself as a comedian, was it everything that you expected, or what kind of surprises did you encounter? Um, I don't know, really. I I think um, I think maybe the the thing that comedians say, I don't know if this sounds sad or something, but um, <laughs> where, every stage you kind of get used to the excitement a little bit, so you're kind of chasing something a little bit more. Hmm. So when when you're like first not getting paid for gigs. I, you're kind of saying, all I want to do is get on the circuit. I just want to be on the comedy circuit and I want to be gigging. Mm. And you're, you're getting like a train to Middlesbrough and you're getting paid to do that and you're sat on the train like writing ideas and, and it's all exciting. Mm. But um, but then after kind of like five or six years, you're like, I've got to get on another fucking train <laughs> like for yeah. three hours to just <laughs> sit. I can't write because I'm on a little chair. Um. And the, so the travel can become so monotonous. Mm. So I'm kind of struck by how many people, as soon as they're on the circuit for a little while, are like, I, I need to get off the circuit. And then, you, and then you want to be like touring your own show. You want to be doing TV and stuff. So right. yeah, I was a little bit surprised at how, how quickly once people had achieved what a few years ago you would see as the dream. Mm. And then like, um, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to. Um, yeah, but I think, I think it's just the travel. I think, um, yeah, the travel can be very um, yeah. monotonous and, and stuff. But um, yeah, that kind of constant looking, looking upwards of um, you sort of forget that it, it was your ambition to, to, be where, to be where you are. Yeah. And like you say, performing sort of in the north and traveling around, how much... Uh, difference do you find in different towns, different parts of the country, in their ways that they respond to your mm. comedy? Is it there's there cultural differences? Yeah, I don't know. I sort of don't think there is. I I do think there's a couple of places which are maybe not harder, but like people say about like like Liverpool as being a place that I think if you're if they like you and you're doing well. It can feel like an incredible reaction, yeah. but I think you you do have to prove yourself a bit more 
And if, if you're not doing well, I think, um, you know, just the, the bar either side is almost a bit more um, um, severe. Like um, mm. if you do badly, I think you do worse. If you do well, you'll do better. Right. Like um, it does feel like there's a real, um, you have to kind of gain a bit more respect like in Liverpool and, and maybe the gigs I've done in Belfast mm-hmm. have felt like um, you, you've really got to earn, you, earn their respect quite early on. Mm. But, um, but I, I don't feel like there's a north-south thing. Right. I, I think it just depends how much people have seen comedy and like comedy. Because before I moved to London, there, there'd be a few people up north who would say, oh, I, I gigged in London and it's, it's terrible. Yeah. And they, they don't want to laugh. They don't go out to laugh. <laughs> And so I thought like London was just full of miserable people, but it, I think it's just someone who's had a bad gig in London right. and come back and gone, like London is terrible, <laughs> but really they had a bad gig. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's just more, if, if people have never seen live stand up before, then they maybe expect a bit more kind of gag, gaggy sort of clubby mm. stuff. But um, right. yeah. Yeah. So way back in 2008, you, you, were, you were doing Total Student Comedy Awards. You've done many mm. competitions since then. How do you feel about competitions and awards? Um, I think they're sort of, all these things are like stupid, but necessary mm. in that like, um, like I, there's so much in comedy, in, in the comedy industry, I think, which is maybe not designed to, but I think lowers the, self-esteem and affects the mental health of everyone involved so like those competitions i think uh they're good if if you make the finals or or you get placed and stuff they can be a good way for people to see you but they do really early on just create a competitiveness between um this group of like like like-minded shared hobbyists who are kind of going, I have to beat this person. I have to be better than, I have to be funnier than that person. Right. Um, so, like, and I know lots of new acts who have been really upset because they haven't progressed in, in stuff. Hmm. Um, so I, I really don't like that element to it. I think um, comedy would be a bit healthier if it didn't have that. But, it, but I think it just needs it because hmm. how else do you kind of unearth people who... Um, yeah, I guess there's no other way to um, sort of give people a bit of a leg up. But um, right. but yeah, you always say to people that they, there are people who have won lots of competitions mm. and then maybe 10 years later are, just, are not doing comedy. And there are people who have done badly in those competitions mm. um, yeah. who do, maybe because the stuff they do is a bit more creative um, or a bit more sort of complex than a little five-minute set. Yeah, and they end up then being, you know, the winners of like the Edinburgh Comedy Award and and the big things, and mm. go on to real sort of artistic acclaim. So yeah, so yeah, I think they're useful, but really, I think they don't matter at all if you if you keep gigging and you're good enough. Yeah, stuff will happen. Yeah, we've mentioned Edinburgh a few times, um, and we're going to talk about your new show. But you're a veteran of the Edinburgh Fringe, so yeah. what's your festival experience like? Um. It's, it's good. I I mean, I hate, um, I hate like now um, <laughs> in July at, at the time of recording mm. because, um, yeah, I tend to write to the the deadline. Like um, the deadline really kind of spurs me on to get everything in place. Yeah. So um, 
Yeah, talking to most comedians in June and July, it's just people having um, panic attacks and people being stressed or going like, I'm fucking shit. Oh, God. <laughs> and and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's not it's not the most fun time until you get up there. Yeah. But, yeah, I do think there's just so much pressure put on Edinburgh of, like, awards and it can make or break your career. Mm. So I think unless you're... Um, Unless you're kind of good enough mentally to not care about that, yeah. or you're already established, so you don't you don't need that. Mm. Um, but re- yeah, but when you get up there and and your show's good, it's it's the best thing to do because we really I think um, I I've always placed it at like the highest thing for comedians really is that you know you could have a great twenty minute set mm. or whatever, but to hold people's attention for for the hour and if you can construct a bit of a story or to have them kind of hanging on something or you know to add an extra emotion or something a bit more creative Hmm. i kind of think that's what we should be aiming for really yeah um so um yeah when you get to sort of do your hour every day Hmm. for the month it's um that, that bit is so fun i think it's just the um the financial side and the kind of, yeah, the kind of business and, and sort of stress around it is getting a bit um, uncontrollable, I think. Yeah. Maybe not a fun answer. <laughs> <laughs> so your um, your debut hour, 2013, show anything. Mm. How did it feel to be doing your first hour then? Yeah, it was, it was very exciting. Um, I mean, I, it was so long ago now that um, it felt like, I guess like 10 years. So in 10 years, like a real like shift, I think in, so I was up on a really like strong year of like newcomers Mm. and my show I think was, was good, but it was very much just here, here's all the stand up that I've got. Right. And a bit of a kind of ending. Um, but it felt like the time to go up, but, but now, um, people go up on their debut show with such a kind of clear, um, this has to be who I am, beginning, middle, and end, a story. Right. You know, we're aiming for awards and big PRs and, and stuff. Mm. So, um, yeah, I, I I still think I was kind of learning who I wanted to be as a comedian yeah. and learning a bit about Edinburgh. I'd been up there doing, like, package shows and split hours and stuff. But, yes. um, yeah, like, the discipline of doing an hour every day, um, yeah, it's kind of, it's like, you kind of have to do it to... To understand what it's mm. what what it's like, but um, but yeah, I mean, I I really loved it, um, and yeah, it's just such a good learning curve because you do that, and then you slowly kind of go, oh well, I like this bit about it, yeah. But looking back, I think this could have been better, and then your next show, you kind of change those things and you change those things. So mm. yeah, thinking back of like my debut and the show I did last, I think the difference in quality is huge Hmm. um and just the difference in like my personality and persona and confidence on stage um yeah i I would hate to watch if someone had a video of my debut show i would i would burn it to the ground (laughs) and i don't think i could bear bear watching it so each time you develop a new hour and you're working on a new show obviously that's you put a lot of work into it and a lot of thought into it Hmm. do you then the so you did a year before or a few years before, are they just gone out of your mind or do you do you mind back the, the mind of 
two years ago, three years ago, Ian Smith and see what he would have had to say. Yeah, I guess like, yeah, they, they are sort of gone. Like, um, mm. I mean, with this show, I'm, I'm doing like a very small tour of it, I think in February, March kind of time. Yeah. And and might see if I can take it out to some of the like international places I've been, um, and and if I do do that because I haven't really done a tour before, I'd maybe put some of the best bits from another show in as well and kind of see if I could amalgamate a few things. But yeah, usually you do you kind of see how Edinburgh goes and then mm. I try and chill out in September, not really think about comedy, and then yeah, you're pretty quickly going. Well, what else do I want to talk about? What else do I have to say? Yeah. Um, yeah, and and that material is sort of gone. You can you can maybe reuse like three or four minutes if it feels super relevant. But hmm. yeah, it's quite it's slightly heartbreaking when you work on something for a long time. Yeah, and then yeah, you do just have to go. Okay, what what next? Yeah. Um, but I remember feeling like that, and Rob Beckett had like Rob Beckett's always he, he's so like chilled out. And um, whereas I could be so like, anxious and stressy and Rob about writing a new show would just be like, well, it's, it's going to be better than your last one, isn't it? Because you're a better comedian now. You've been doing it longer. You're better. So I've, every show you do is just going to be better than the last one. Like he, he would just take it as an absolute given mm. that everything you do will just increase in quality yeah. because you're, you're better and you've learned more. But um. Whereas I, I was more in the camp of being terrified because everything I have is now unusable <laughs> and you have to just generate a new, a new hour in a year. But, um, mm. but yeah, it always seems to come. Yeah. You've mentioned a little bit about being more or more anxious person. Do you get anxious when you're about to go on stage? Do you, think, do you overthink it or are you more natural once you start talking? Yeah, I don't think... I mean, we'll get like a bit of nerves before you go on. Yeah. But it's not like... Want, wanting it to go well sort of nerves but um yeah i, I don't think i feel any re- anxiety like on on stage mm. or in the kind of the comedy environment it, it will all anything like that will be in the the kind of writing and going do i have something to say or mm. what if what if my previous thing was the best thing i've done and i'm and i'm not going to do something else yeah that that would be where my kind of like stress comes right through want, wanting to create more stuff but um but yeah but being being on stage really would feel more relaxed than i would off off stage yeah um like i feel like there's there's nothing anyone could like say to me when i'm on stage that would make me um like panic really right. that you might think oh this is difficult to deal with but I, I would still feel pretty at ease i think yeah and are you more comfortable with the with the material or you or as you alluded to before are you happier as an improviser yeah i think both really like yeah some, sometimes if you've i like i think one of the things that comedians make a mi- mistake with especially new acts mm-hmm. is like this thing where they um got a, mu- a must gig every night of the week and like new acts will maybe brag of like kind of say oh my first my first year i did uh, 250 gigs or i've done 300 gigs this year mm. And you just think like, well, where where is any of your personal life mm. gone, or where are you getting anecdotes from if all your evenings are here? Yeah, and and you do the same material so much that I think you can get a bit bored of it, and your performance can go. Mm. So so I really I really love doing my material, especially when it's new and fresh. But I 
I think I just, I love improvising because it just adds a bit of difference and excitement to every gig. Yeah. Um, so it stops me from kind of going, oh, I'm just going to do the same 20 minutes I did yesterday. Mm. I always like leave little moments in the set where I'm, where I'm like, well, I have to ask someone something here and that will then usually lead to some improv and, mm. and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I really like improvising. I think it just keeps everything a bit exciting. Mm. The person that you are when you're on stage, is that, are we seeing the real you? Is it an exaggerated you? Is it a character of you? Mm. Who are you when you're performing? I think I'm pretty, um, yeah, I think I'm pretty like nat- natural on stage. Um, maybe get a bit more, a bit more northern and a bit more shouty. <laughs> um, like I think someone saw a review that I really liked where it basically described me as getting like disproportionately excited about things that aren't that good and disproportionately angry about things that aren't that bad. <laughs> um, and I think that's kind of what I do really yeah. of kind of being, this is amazing. And I'm, talking about nothing <laughs> or um this is the worst thing that's ever happened and it's just me um yeah talking about some um something i didn't like about the soap in my house or something like that <laughs> talking about the worst thing that ever happened mm. how was your lockdown experience when comedy ground to a halt um it was kind of mixed mm. really because um so i was back in ghoul um, cause I, I was going to be, so it's pretty heartbreaking at first. Mm. I mean, for, for everyone, but, um, my kind of personal thing was I was in Adelaide in Australia mm. and I was meant to do Adelaide, then a month in Melbourne and then like a week off and then a month in New Zealand for all the comedy festivals out there. Yeah. And, um, so we, we did Adelaide and then that was, then everything was canceled. Yeah. So, and I'd got rid of like where I was renting in London, um, which is kind of a, a blessing. Otherwise, I would have been paying rent and earning no money. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, went, went back home to Ghoul, and that was quite nice. And I, I would sit and um, I wrote a lot of scripts in, mm-hmm. in like, the first few months. But, um, but yeah, the longer it went on, the more you kind of – you lose a bit of that um, – Ah, okay, six months, this will be done, so I'll be productive, I'll exercise. Mm. When it gets to like a year and a year and a half, you you are kind of thinking, well, I don't know if this job is coming back. Yeah. And it's very, um, yeah, it's a tough time for comedians, especially when like, I mean, it was tough for everyone, but there's like established comedians who would then get, pick up like big Zoom gigs or, yeah. or would still get like kind of bits of TV work. And you kind of felt a bit like the people who were established would be okay yeah. and they were all going to get through it and were getting work or would get work when it come back. But it felt like that the level below was the ones where you're like, we don't know if the work will, will come back again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was quite – I guess it was tense for a while for, for everyone. But, um, but I think it helped me in – being a bit more productive because I had no deadlines and no reason to write, but I would find myself writing mm. scripts and and stuff. But um, yeah, yeah, I certainly didn't write any stand up. I think for for a year, mm-hmm. 
because I, I didn't want to write about the pandemic because I find it a bit boring when I see a, a comedian now sort of going, oh, do you remember in the pandemic? And you're sort of like, yeah, yeah, we all, yeah. We all remember that. <laughs> and we've all, we've all heard so much about it. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I didn't think it was going to be a fun idea to come out and go, hey, remember COVID? And some people being like, yeah, a relative of mine was seriously ill. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I just kind of avoided stand up really for a year yeah it's interesting isn't it because like you said um you know people doing all these gigs and not having any anecdotes of course every comedian not performing for a year two years the only anecdotes they have is their what happened their experience of covid and lockdown mm. so of course then immediately everyone starts talking about it because they don't have anything else to mention yeah and it and even like people can do great stuff on it mm. and it's always funny if it's like you add a bit of specificity and it's and it's personal but yeah yeah well, when you have a comedian going like oh like zoom gigs are weird aren't they and you're like yeah i've heard 20 other comedians say zoom gigs are weird <laughs> like yeah. but I, I don't think audiences mind but um yeah i think i really try and not cover something that other people have covered mm. but i mean I, I imagine i i do it's very difficult not to but um yeah yeah, I, th I think a lot of people as well just don't, they don't want to be reminded of the, the mass global pandemic anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 Talking about writing comedy, you writing for others, because you've written for things like the news quiz and Have I Got News For You. How do you write for jokes that other people are going to tell? Mm. Because they're not you. Yeah. Well, it, I think it depends. Like, so when I used to write on the news quiz, I would write for, it was when Miles Jupp was hosting. Mm. So I would listen to, especially when I was first getting in the writer's room, mm. I would listen to three, three or four episodes of the news quiz and I'd maybe skip a little bit past the, um, the panel bits because it would always end with Miles saying that was the news that and then his kind of jokes. Right. So I, I just kind of binged all of his bits and then the next time I write on it, I would kind of do that again as like a bit of a refresher mm. and just try and get into his, his persona a bit. And, and I think it's, I think it's easier to write for other people. Like, um, I, I think, um, like for me, I it was like blowing my own trumpet. I, I, I think I, m most comedians, if, if someone tells me an idea, mm. I feel like I can pretty quickly say, oh, and you could do this and this and this, or, or what about this? Yeah, because I think I find the problem when when I'm writing for myself is you you care too much about it because it's it's yours mm. and you have all these things in your head of going well that didn't really happen or do you really think that or has someone else already covered that um, and all the internal self doubt of oh is this funny enough am I good enough am I whatever but when someone else has given you an idea those, those things don't exist mm. and it's a bit like the grass is greener kind of thing. So someone will tell you something and you go, oh man, that's a great idea. Look at all these possibilities that you can't do with your own stuff because you're too attached. Right. But um, yeah, and like Miles was like a really fun person to write for because he has like this kind of upper middle class, slightly erudite, um, sometimes like very wordy punchline. So you would put a bit more um, detail in them, like um, 
be like the sort of person who, rather than saying car, you would pick a sort of very specific middle class brand of car right. to like texture the jokes and stuff. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it's quite fun to get into someone's persona. Um, like I, I found before, um, I remember doing this as a joke with uh, my housemate, but um, as mad as it is, we'll sometimes do it to myself, where my process for writing, once I've stopped rushing around and I sit down and do it, yeah. is I have this kind of checklist of ways you can brainstorm out from a joke, mm-hmm. but then also started thinking of kind of free like archetypes of comedian, like an observational comedian, a, like a sort of creative, um, like maybe set piece type comedian and this kind of thing. But I would look at the routines I've got and almost like in my head, I'm doing an impression of the most mainstream, like um, maybe slightly kind of hack observational comic Mm -hmm. because in kind of playfully going, what would I do with this? And doing the kind of, oh, well, we all do this. And you know that person who does, but it kind of free frees your mind a bit. And I find sometimes I do that. And some of it, I think, oh, I wouldn't say that on stage. <laughs> but then another bit you go, oh, I think that is like, um, I think that is an observation actually that people would like and that I could make my own. So yeah, it do, I think it just feels a bit easier to um, do it for someone else. Yeah. Um, and and also what, one of the big things I think I've learned writing for others and also like if I... I've started doing the news quiz quite a lot. Yes. And um, you're given like subjects mm. on maybe halfway through Wednesday of what's going to be on the show. And the same when you're kind of writing on it. And you maybe have a couple of hours on each subject to read it and, and go, what are the funny things? Mm. And then what are my jokes on them? Yeah. And sometimes it's stuff like, like one week I had the Taliban reclaiming Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And it's on surface level really not funny. But you have to go on the radio and you have to make jokes about it. Yeah. So in two hours, you're going through the article and you're like, there's something in that, there's something in that. That's maybe something. Um, and I kind of realized that there's no excuse then if I look at a joke of mine and go, ah, I don't know if that's quite working. Mm-hmm. And then you think, well, you, you got five minutes out of got a horrible subject, really. Yeah. So... So just spend an hour and write everything you can. Mm. Go online, look up articles. and, and So yeah, I, basically being told by someone, you have two hours, or, or another comedian's employing you and says, I need some jokes by tomorrow for this. Yeah, You can't then say to them, oh, sorry, I, I couldn't come up with any. <laughs> yeah. um, so you, you just have to. And yeah, the deadline just... Yeah, I find the deadline is the all-powerful mm. thing. If if I have to do something by a certain time, I, I will get it done, even, even if um, I'm having like a Red Bull and I'm up at four in the morning <laughs> kind of thing. Oh, well, speaking about writing, tell me about your new show, Crushing. What inspired the, the material for the show? How did you go about writing, putting it together and making it what it is? Um, well, I guess this is all at the time of speaking because mm. – um, I've still got three weeks where this the deadline is kicking in. Yeah, yeah. Even even recently, I've been adding bits at previews, and they've been working. And sort of thinking to myself, why can't I have done that in May? That would have <laughs> made me so much more chilled out. But um, 
But yeah, this show is like, it's basically about stress. Um, that's the kind of theme of it. And um, so the title Crushing refers to like two things that I think sort of come at the beginning and end of like this sort of little, um, maybe like seven month chunk of my life that the show's about. Yeah. Um, where, um, so after after all the lockdowns, um, so I hadn't been to the dentist in like three years or something. So I had <laughs> lockdown and then another bit of time, I think, I probably got the got the dentist. And I went there and I got sort of told off quite badly about grinding my teeth, like um, in sort of quite a big way, like and I can notice like where it's happened and stuff. Um, and they, they really sort of spooked me with it um, mm-hmm. and basically saying, this is like a stress thing. Um, and you really need to stop doing this. So you maybe need to like de-stress and, and sort that out. And it was a bit of a sort of existential moment where you're like, can see a physical sign of the stress that I I knew I had, but I probably just quite used to. <laughs> um, so that's kind of like what started me, I guess, wanting to talk about why, why I'm stressed, right. why I get far too stressed about stuff. Um, and the things I've done to to try and calm down, mm. but I I guess the the whole thing a bit like what we were talking about with deadlines is that when when someone says to you you need to stop stressing immediately, and you start trying to throw all this relaxation shit at the wall, you it's so <laughs> counterintuitive because I was maybe doing like six different things to try and stop me stressing mm. over the course of a week, and all of them awful, all of them not working. So every time something doesn't work, you're more stressed because <laughs> you're like, well, I'm not going to have any fucking teeth. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, and it kind of culminated in me going to Slovakia with my hairdresser and um, yeah, driving a tank over a car after we'd smashed it with some sledgehammers <laughs> um, and sort of doing it and thinking that that was a genuinely relaxing thing, but that that can't be that can't be it for me. That can't be how I um, how I unwind <laughs> and sort of. Yeah, I guess the story of the show would be, yeah, it's sort of like me having a, a seven-month panic of like, well, how do I de-stress? Because I don't want to make um, like slow, meaningful changes in my life because they're quite difficult. Mm. So maybe I could just find something and that's me done. Um, so yeah, I think it's like, yeah, about a seven-month manic episode where I tried <laughs> to stop stressing and ended up, in Slovakia, doing something that's supposed to only be for stag do's, mm. that um, I had to convince them to let me do with just me and my hairdresser, because that's <laughs> the only person I could get. Um, so I had to pay like um, six hundred and fifty euros for the for the tank. Um, so that made me more more stress, really. Like financially, um, I've took, taken a real hit trying to relax. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess it's about that. Um, misguided seven months of of my life (laughs) someone who's put so much time and effort and hard work into comedy do you still enjoy comedy as an entertainment can you go out and watch other comedians um i i think i think a few comedians are like this so i think the comedy i enjoy now there's there's still comedy and comedians i really love but often you're watching them going Oh, that that's good. Oh, oh, I wish I had to come up with that. That's and it's very analytical. So I think it's the 
the comedians who are very different who still really make me laugh. So like I I much prefer to see Tim Key and Sam Campbell and John Kearns mm-hmm. and like jo- Jordan Brooks is as much as he can still doing like a man and a mic stand up most of the time, but it's a bit unique. Yeah. Um and and I think they're they're the things that I can really almost kind of forget I'm a comedian just because it's so different to what I would do. Yeah. Um so yeah, I think that's the that's what I really love seeing at the minute. Or or even a, like a few American comics because I think you're so you're so involved in the industry and you kind of know everyone over here. And it's quite nice to, to watch someone who you're like, I don't know what they're like, I don't know what they're doing, all the competitive element isn't there and um mm-hmm. but I, I'm sort of trying to talk about that in my show where um the past three or four previews I I've been performing like five minutes of the show in sat in the audience, um, which I need to work out how to do in case. And like, I, I would like to hope that some days I'll sell out my venue, and that that's then there's no spare chair for me to to get in. But um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been doing sort of five minutes just sat in the crowd, mm. so, so a lot of people can't see me, and I'm just. Um, I'm talking a bit about how, because um, and I guess this is part of pre- previewing of trying to make this funny. But um, that I I think comedy has always been like my my only real hobby, mm-hmm. and it's the thing I really love doing and love watching. So I, I don't really have another um, like a, a thing in my life that's just for fun and relaxation, because mm. comedy is so tied to like finances and career. Right. So I don't think I have a, any hobbies now. <laughs> I just have work. And I think it's always funnier in comedy of the comedian on stage is is stressed out or embarrassed or something negative. The I, I don't know if you want to hear someone come on stage and go, my my life's fantastic at the minute. She's <laughs> like, oh, fuck off. So so I'm trying to sort of de-stress, but also hoping that my life is stressful so that I have things to talk about. Um, so yeah, my only outlet of relaxation is basically talking about why i'm stressed to people and if people don't enjoy it then that makes me feel sad <laughs> so that's my um i think that's like a fundamental reason why i find it difficult to chill out but um <laughs> i'm trying to make that funny so it doesn't sound like i'm basically going on stage and going this job is fucking terrible <laughs> we talked there about previewing and and, uh, and about adding stuff in how does your finished show when it starts playing in Edinburgh, how much does it change over the course of the run? Mm. Ho- hopefully not too much. Mm. I think um, the the first two days of Edinburgh are, are classed as previews as well, and no reviewers are allowed in, yeah. so they're kind of um, a bit more relaxed. Where you know you can still kind of feel out some last changes, but um, really, I think af- after. After those two dates, you want to be in a position where if someone comes in and reviews it, I'm I'm happy with this. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I would say that the first week of the Fringe, if, if there's any bits that aren't quite working as much as I would like them to, then I'll, I'll keep working on the show. Yeah, I'll kind of get up and listen back to it and keep changing it. And mm-hmm. sometimes you overrun a little bit or underrun and you cut an ad. But um. Yeah, so maybe the first week it, it will still change until you kind of want to get to a point where you're like, well, 
I've worked on it enough now and it's it's done. Yeah. Um, and just enjoy performing it. Mm. So with all your experience and your many shows, what are the most important lessons that you've learned? Um, I guess like um, some of them are like really um, maybe pra- practical ones, but like, mm. yeah, I, I guess we touched on it earlier that I, I think um, – I think gigging, um, doing comedy every night and then like say watching it all the time, I think will not make you a, a great comedian. I, I think it can make, and maybe it's different for different people, but mm. I, I think like you to try and balance like gigging and like enjoying life and doing things that you, because you have to have something to relay to people. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's that thing of like I think you're often told when you start comedy of like gotta keep gigging and keep working and keep working. Mm. But I, I think if you did four gigs a week and you were happy with that, then I think you'd become a better comedian than someone who did seven gigs a week. Um, like even if not immediately, yeah. you would eventually be a a better act than them. So I. Yeah, I think the importance of like just having a life that is interesting to say mm. to say back to people. Um, I think that that's the main thing because yeah, I, I would try and gig all, all the time, um, and I think I only started getting like a lot better when I had stuff going on in my life that people would want to hear about. Mm. Um, yeah. So yeah, maybe that's it. Sort of sounds like. Um, not the best advice, but I'm basically saying don't don't do loads of comedy. <laughs> Gig less. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and I but I think the the lessons I think what's made me a better comedian is when I started writing on the news quiz. Mm. I think that changed a lot for me because I just realised that um, if I have the discipline to set myself a, a deadline of um, you need to write something in this time, the confidence of knowing well I will I will do that. Um, mm. So I, I think the hardest thing in comedy is creating a deadline for yourself that doesn't really exist. That like if, if you can say with like writing an Edinburgh show, my show is going to be ready 1st of June. That's when it needs to be 100% finished. Mm. Then you'd have a good show. You'd have two months to improve it. Mm. Um, but really, those deadlines don't exist. So they're, they're kind of artificial. But um, yeah, I think if you can, um, if you can get the discipline to, to do that, like that any any subject is funny um that i think i realized after writing about caroin subjects for the news all the time <laughs> yeah. um so what have been then so far your best and worst experiences in comedy yeah i'm not sure i'm just trying I'm trying to go like worst first so ends on a positive mm. but i'm <laughs> yeah i'm i'm not sure really i i think like the worst one maybe like moves all the time because really like you care like more and more. So like if if I did a preview tomorrow that went badly, mm. um, that would feel like the worst to me because I I want this Edinburgh show to be really good. Mm. Um like any gig in the past that's gone badly, you kind of get over really. Right. Um so I, I think it would more be like career things where you feel like you were close to a big thing like an award or a tv thing mm. and it and it hasn't happened i think sometimes that can take a while to get over right um i remember doing a, a sitcom pilot that everyone was telling us would get a series and when we found out it didn't 
I think I was kind of gutted for mm. a couple of months because yeah. I thought that would be a real sort of game changer. Mm. Um, but um, and yeah, maybe the same with like happy happy moments. Like um, yeah, again, it can just change. I think doing a doing an hour show that you're proud of mm. um, after you've been working on it and you have periods of self doubt and stuff. When it when it works, that's I think the relief and joy of that. Um, yeah, and, and I guess then it would just be like, yeah, I, I worked a lot to try and get on the news quiz. So getting on that and being asked back, like I feel very proud of. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's probably things like that. Yeah. So Ian, how can we find out about you? How can we find out where you're playing? Um, well, all my stuff's usually on on all the socials. So everything, like Facebook, Instagram, and and Twitter is usually forward slash Ian Smith comedy. Um, I haven't got threads yet. Every, everyone's on threads. Um, so I think I'm going to go on that. Um, I hate this sort of desperation of a new social media outlet um, yeah. and putting stuff out. But um, but I, I will probably be there as well. Um, and I have a podcast with Amy Gladhill called yep. Northern News, mm-hmm. which you can get on you know wherever you get your podcasts. Um, but yeah, probably the social media would be the best place and I'll kind of tweet and post stuff regularly about where I'm going to be. And so finally, in please, can you sum up comedy in a nutshell? Um, it's it's tough because because you're talking to me pre Edinburgh Fringe <laughs> when I'm sort of anxiously writing a new show. I'm trying to have an answer that isn't like it's it's. I tell you what, it is in a nutshell. It's fucking stupid, <laughs> and there's so much pressure on comedians. Edinburgh's expensive, and it's all a lot of shit. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess in a nutshell. The the nicest thing about it is like to have a thought that you think is funny to share, and and I guess that can feel quite vulnerable if you kind of give that thought or observation, and people are like, I don't fucking do that, or I don't know what you're talking about. But so to have that like connection when it when it works, mm-hmm. and you get the laughter, yeah, there's just something of the the joy of like. You're kind of commanding a, a, a room's attention and they're listening to you and agreeing with you and going, yeah, you're right. That is funny. So um, maybe as pathetic as that sounds, it's quite nice. To have a, <laughs> comedy in a nutshell is having a room of people you don't know hmm. agree with you and kind of make you feel nice. <laughs> um, so at its best, you're just coming away going, um, well, that felt nice and yeah, the things I said didn't make people go, what are you on about? Um, <laughs> that's all you can hope for in life. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me.